Hello, everyone. This is Victor Jackson. Welcome to the Bible Centered Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Bible Centered with Victor Jackson. I want to thank you for joining us once again, another morning where we get to talk about the Word of God. And God has been doing some phenomenal things uh, throughout our lesson in Matthew. Uh, Many have reached out to me uh, privately and through messages uh, and online saying how much going verse by verse through the Gospel of Matthew has been a blessing. Um, I do want to make you aware of um, tomorrow we are starting uh, our subscriptions on Apple and uh, continuing our subscriptions on Spotify where we have extra content for you. Specifically, I'll be uploading uh, some messages going verse by verse through Romans. Um, We're in Romans 1 right now for the subscription, and so uh, we'd love for you to be a part of that. Um, Yesterday, I was not feeling well. Today, I I am still not feeling well. Uh, But thank God for discipline and consistency, uh, doing what you know to do even when you don't feel feel well. Um, God is doing big things. Uh, I'm just, what a privilege it is to serve him. What a privilege it is to just be able to share God's word with you. I'm thankful for revelation and understanding, and I'm thankful for truth. And I feel like we've been walking this journey together. Um, I feel like uh, I, whenever we started the podcast, it's amazing I announced that my wife and I were having a child on this podcast. I announced that the birth of my child on this podcast. So um, I feel that we are growing in this together. Um, I feel like we are um, forming a bond together uh, through his word. And I'm just thankful to be on this journey uh, with each of you. Um, yesterday I, I, after I got done with the podcast, I just really laid down, had a rag on my head and I was still counseling with people all day and, um, from different countries and a part of our local church and, uh, meeting after meeting, uh, but I'm feeling much better now. Uh, Let's go into Matthew chapter 15, verse 1. Then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do thy disciples transgress, transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. But he answered and said unto them, Why do ye also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and he that curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, Whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, It is a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, and honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus have you made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, 
this people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And he called the multitude and said unto them, Hear and understand, not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. Then came his disciples and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Declare unto us this parable. And Jesus said, Are ye also yet without understanding? Do not ye yet understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth goeth into the belly and is cast into the drought? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, <coughs> adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. Last scripture, verse 20. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashing hands defileth not a man. I want to talk to you today on the subject matters of the heart. Matters of the heart. Matthew is writing to the Jews declaring that Jesus is the Messiah, not just a savior of the Jews, but a savior of the world. And the moment that all of this power is being demonstrated to the world, he is being resisted. The people that are supposed to receive him, that is where he's getting the most friction. Because the Bible says that when he was born, and they heard that the Messiah was being born, that Herod and all of Jerusalem were troubled. Now that is curious because Jerusalem was the theological center of activity. It was the theological hub. Yet they believe in Messiah with their lips but their heart wasn't ready for Messiah. In the synagogues, they would prophesy and they would preach, the Messiah's coming, the Messiah's coming, the Messiah's coming. Get ready for Messiah. But when Messiah makes his arrival, the heart wasn't ready for what the lips confessed. And this happens to all of us. We confess with our lips, this is what we want, but our heart truly isn't ready for what we say that we want. And we confess something that our heart cannot manage. And they were confessing that they wanted the Christ, but their hearts were closed to Christ. Paul would later mention about Moses walking with the glory and him having a veil over his face because the people couldn't handle the glory. 
and and they said put a veil over you because the glory in your life is shining too bright. We need a veil over you. And and the Bible says that now that that veil is gone, that veil has transferred from covering the the face to now covering their heart. And these are matters of the heart. And Jesus wrecked the theological world of his time because he isn't just uh, speaking in parables or speaking with profound wisdom, but he is demonstrating the kingdom. And, and a life lived is always greater than a life said. Uh, it, I think it is true that actions speak louder than words. God didn't just say he loved us. He robed himself in flesh to show his love for us. For God so loved the world that he gave. There is no love without sacrifice. There is no love without action. There is no love without blood. And what God showed us is that he was not only willing to speak through the prophets, but he was willing to do what no prophet could do, and that was die for our sins. But you have to understand, Jesus is speaking with such wisdom and doing so many miracles. He, he is literally emptying the synagogues. They're not going to the normal Sabbath synagogue now they want to go hear Jesus in Capernaum they want to go hear Jesus at at um at the seashore they want to hear Jesus in all of these different settings and Matthew is highlighting the rising conflict between him and the religious leaders Verse 1, it says, Then came the Jesus scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. Now, you have to understand, they're talking to the bread of life. <laughs> they're talking to the bread of life and saying, Hey, they're not washing their hands when they eat bread. Now, look at the frivolous nature of this. Jesus is healing people. Jesus is walking on water. Lives are being changed. Lepers are being cleansed. And these scribes and Pharisees come from Jerusalem, this theological center, to find fault with him by how his disciples don't wash their hands. It's frivolous. Uh, it, it's it's a frivolous per pursuit, you know. It, it, it's 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 amazing what tradition can do and how it can turn people's hearts so hardened to the presence of God, where they cannot see a move of God. Several years ago, there I was in another country, and and we had a, just a great move of God. God moved in a powerful way. And uh, a young man, uh, I could see that, you know, uh, you know how when someone's looking you up and down, uh, trying to find a way to be better than you or, you know, 
trying to compete with you somehow. One thing about me, I've never competed with anyone, never have, never will. I just, I'm here to serve everyone. But this young man, he comes up to me and we're all eating uh, at this hotel after a service. And this young man comes up to me and he says, uh, they were started talking about me and drinking coffee uh, because my habit was to wake up and pray and get some coffee to study. That's just what I did. And so they were talking about like what coffee I like and everything like that. And I was just like, well, you know, uh, I like this coffee. And then, and then he was a part of the conversation. So I said, what about you? He goes, oh, no, man, I don't, I don't drink coffee. I'm apostolic. I was like, huh? huh? Yeah, I don't, I don't drink coffee, man. I, I'm apostolic. I was like, let me ask you this. Do you drink water? He said, yeah. I said, well, you're not apostolic then. I said, you're not drinking the same water the apostles drink. And he was looking at me crazy. You see the frivolousness of using traditions to try to make yourself superior to someone else? And then I could have and then I could have said, and that white shirt that you have on, who was it made by? It was made by someone that that supports ungodly things. It was made by someone who supports ungodly agendas. I don't wear those shirts, man. Yeah, you have a white shirt, but bro, who made it, man? Ooh, I don't support those agendas, man. You're wearing, I mean, how far can we go with this? See, tradition, religion, it only brings pride, especially when you put it before the word of God. I believe that there are some good traditions, and I believe that there are some bad traditions, but traditions have to be subject to the word of God. Traditions should never be ahead of God's word. Everything has to be subject to God's word. As a matter of fact, any person, any preacher that is putting a thought, a philosophy, or even a preference before God's word or over God's word, that is how you are led into false doctrine. Because everything has to submit and come under the word of God. And so the things that I teach and preach, if you notice, I'm coming under God's word. And I'm allowing God's word to convict and do the work. All I'm doing with this expository teaching is drawing out the meaning of the text. I'm not reading into the text. I'm not trying to put my traditions, my preferences, my presuppositions, my pre-understandings into the text. I am coming under the text, and every preacher has to come under that text, or you can propagate false doctrine. And in hermeneutics, in uh, my uh, PhD, one of the things that they teach is that Anything that we put on equal standing with God's word, he said, anyone, this is a, this is a peer-reviewed book on hermeneutics, the science of interpretation. He said, anything or anyone that we put on equal standing with God's word 
is false doctrine. And they said, and it comes straight from the pit of hell. Listen, there's only one God, and there's only uh, his word. And no person or no thing or no tradition should be on equal standing with those things. And anyone that is putting a position, whether it be prophet, pastor, evangelist, uh, teacher, uh, apostle, if they're trying to put that on equal standing with God and his word, it came straight from the pit of hell to deceive you because they want you to take their words, their personal words and their personal motives as um, on equal standing with God's word and nothing is on equal standing with God's word. So I am subject to this book, meaning that if I am not teaching this book correctly, then, then I need to be open to correction. And, and, the, and the big things and in the small things. For instance, I would travel, me and my wife, we had, have one son. We had one son at the time. And whenever we were traveling with James Asher, it was just easier for us to have one kid. It had been very difficult to have two children. My family traveled with me about 95% of the time to have two children uh, that didn't travel with them, two car seats. You know, it just becomes a lot more difficult. So we only had one. So I would only talk about having one kid. And Jim Dash was just an amazing kid. And so we were like, yeah, man, we were one God and we we're one kid. And I would just laugh like that and joke like that. But unfortunately, God started convicting me. And I'm going to tell somebody this. He started convicting me. He said, you know, don't, don't put your preference uh, above my word. He said, because remember the scripture where I said that children are the heritage of the Lord. And in the scripture where I said, be fruitful and multiply. And so he's saying that you're, you're glorifying having one, you know, but. I did say be fruitful and multiply. And I'm telling you, the word of God just straight up convicted me. And this may sound funny to y'all, but I want to obey God in all parts. And I said, you know what? Me and Louisa, we got to have another kid. We got to have another kid. And I'm so thankful I obeyed God's word. There's something about obeying God's word. He gives you blessings that you don't deserve. Our little Mia is so beautiful and so great. She just stares at me with this blank look. You know, she just wants to eat and potty and just, you know, doesn't even care that I'm around. But but she's getting more cognitive ability more and more. Uh, and so it's just a beautiful thing. But I would have never had that if I didn't put my traditions and my thought processes under uh, the word of God. And so uh, and so let us all come under the text. And what these Pharisees and these scribes were doing is that they were putting their traditions on the same authority as God's word. Because Why would they do that? It's because it gave them popularity and it gave them a heightened status instead of giving God that heightened status. And so they would create these traditions to prove a distinction between them and God's word 
And so people were following them. It's amazing the model of, uh, of growing a crowd during this time. In that time, people would adopt a peculiar teaching to get a following. And these rabbis would teach the word in a certain way to, to gain certain followers. And in the synagogue, the emphasis was not just on God's word. It was on who is the interpreter of that word. I like his interpretation. I like his interpretation. I like their interpretation. And they would have a distinction of rabbis that, that from the last hundreds of years that they would say, yeah, we align with this rabbi, how he taught it. We align with this, this rabbi, how they taught it. And the emphasis wasn't on the plainness and the clarity of God's word, but it was on the individual and how they interpreted it. And so they would build crowds that way. It's amazing that whenever Jesus died and was buried and rose again, that when the disciples went to plant churches, notice that they didn't make themselves the center of the, the church. Jesus was the center and Jesus is the word. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. He's the Logos. The center was Jesus. So it wasn't about uh, their humanity and how well they did something. It was about glorifying God as the center and the head of his church. And that's why they could go on to different places and the church still remain because the church wasn't built around their personality. It was built around God's presence. And every church that's going to last has to be centered around God's presence and God's word and not human personality. Human personality cannot build God's church. It can bring a crowd, but it can't build God's church. Only his presence and his word can build God's church. That's what our church is founded upon, the presence of God, the word of God, and purity. And our congregation knows that they can hold their pastor, me, accountable to what I'm teaching because I will not present something to the people that I haven't studied, that I haven't researched. I take very, uh, I'm very serious about God's word. Uh, you see that in this podcast. You see that in my messages. I'm very serious about it. I don't take it lightly. But there's a danger in putting our traditions on the same standing as God's word. So there are good traditions that should be subject to God's word, but should not be a stumbling block to God's word. Um, so they are nitpicking. And this is what some of these traditions do. They nitpick. Um, they say, oh, I'm better than you because uh, I do this. I do, I'm better than you because I do this. Hey, I'm better than you because I don't drink sweet tea. And it's like, how frivolous. Like, the angels have to be like almost just weeping in heaven over the things that people are being divided over when the bottom line is, who's in the book? Who's in the Bible? And who's all about God's presence? And if you're really in the book, you're not going to be moving with division. You're going to be moving with love. Because the whole scripture hangs on love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And when we're using traditions as points of division, we're not walking in the spirit of the letter. We're not walking in the spirit of the book. And this is what these scribes and Pharisees were doing. So 
So he answers them in verse 3 and said, Why do ye also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? He's saying, listen, by your tradition, you're actually transgressing God's commandments. So, so they're bringing this little thing about washing hands, and he's like, hold on, this is a little thing. Let me show you something big that you guys are doing. You're actually not walking according to God's commandments because you are promoting your tradition over God's commandments. Verse 4. For, for God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and he that curses father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, Whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, It is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, and honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus ye have made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. What is he saying here when he means when he says it is a gift? What he's saying here is, is that these Pharisees and scribes, they came up with a tradition that to nullify God's word about honoring your father and mother. Now, they would honor their father and mother by when they got older, they would provide for their parents, that they would, that they would take care of their mother's investment and their father's investment with them they would make sure that they take care of them in their old age financially. But what he's saying here is, is that you created a tradition. Oh, this makes me want to cry. You created a tradition that says there's a way to get out of honoring your parents. And the way you get out of it is all the money that you were going to give to your parents, give it to the temple, give it to the synagogue, and say it is a gift. It is a gift to God. I've given it to the temple. I've given it to the synagogue. And if you say it is a gift, then you don't have to be responsible for taking care of your parents. And he says, you have made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. You're using your traditions to nullify what God said. Oh, my. Oh, my. This is dangerous territory. So they're saying that now you're saying that they can get out of my word if they give you money and advance your religious cause instead of advancing biblical precepts and biblical commandments. Look what he says in verse 7, you hypocrites. He said, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, say, this people draw nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. He says, this is the thing. You guys say the right things, but you're not doing the right things. You, you guys are saying that you love everybody, but you're not behaving. You don't have behaviors of love. You say, hey, we want to help everybody, but your behaviors are manipulative behaviors. 
And he says, you, you, you are using your traditions and your religion to draw nigh to me with your lips. And you, you say this with your mouth, but your hearts are far from me. That's what he would say later. He said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. He said, do whatever the Pharisees tell you to do. Just don't do after their actions because they say and do not. This is what, why people have lost faith in the church. This is why people have lost faith in Christianity. They see people say the right things, but they don't do the right things. And our actions will speak louder than our words. I don't know about you, but I want to I live for God for real. Like, I want to obey God's word for real. And Matthew is exposing the hypocrisy of the system, the corruption of the system at that time. He's exposing it and showing how Jesus' presence and, and Jesus' is fulfillment and through Jesus only is the proper obedience to the commandments and the laws of God. That's only through Jesus Christ. He says in verse 9, but in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. He said, you, you are putting, you are adding to my word with these traditions. Verse 10, and he called the multitude and said unto them, hear and understand. Now, guys, these, this is Jesus' words, okay? This is the power of going verse by verse. There's things you can't avoid. There's things you can't avoid. And so when you're going verse by verse, you, you are forced to wrestle with all of your traditions and to bring them under God's, God's Bible, under God's scripture. And that's, people like to skip over these scriptures, and there's like, hey, I don't see anything. I don't see anything. I don't see anything. Hallelujah, hallelujah. No, guys, you, you want to be challenged. You want you want to be challenged. He called unto the multitude and said unto them, Hear and understand, not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. So he's saying, you're, you're saying that because we're eating with unwashing hands that we're being defiled. But he said, but I'm saying that what comes out of the mouth, that defiles a man. Then came his disciples and said unto him, knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? But he answered and said, every plant which my heavenly father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. The issue with people being so strong on their traditions, like I said, there's good traditions, but everything has to be subject to the word. So I'll give you an example of a good tradition. A good tradition is making sure you and your family sit down to eat breakfast or lunch or dinner together. That is a good tradition. Why? Why is that a good tradition? Because it promotes family health, which is biblical. So there's good traditions that promote obedience to God's scripture. So there are good traditions. But then there are 
um, traditions that become stumbling blocks to love, right? Uh, things that will make you, uh, that will divide you against a brother. For, for instance, I'll give an example. Traditionally, your family is, is maybe a Republican or Democrat. That's just traditionally in your family. And through that tra- tradition, um, you may not have any love for Republicans or you may not have any love for Democrats. That's where your traditions are interfering with the commandments of God because your because the command is to love everybody. That's what I'm showing you, that you may have a tradition but just don't let it interfere with God's commandments. So here's what I've seen, and you've seen this as well. Sometimes traditions get more into a person's heart than the word of God gets into someone's heart. I'll, I'll give you an example. I've seen, I've seen people that are, have a traditional political persuasion, but listen to this. This is going to help you. But then they backslide. They never come to church again. But listen to this. But they still hold true to their same political party. They left God's commandments, but they didn't left their tradi- leave their tradition. Think about it. Think about it. Because what was more emphasized was the tradition getting in the heart than the word getting in the heart. And David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against you. So I've seen people literally backslide and and uh, become atheists and become all of this, but they don't change their politics because the politics were more indoctrinated in them than the word of God was. Their traditions were more indoctrinated in them than the word of God was. And so these Pharisees, they're washing their hands when they eat while they're trying to kill the Messiah. <laughs> they're, they're, they're literally trying to murder someone. But man, they're sure going to wash their hands when they eat. And feel very spiritual about it. This is what I'm saying. We've got to get the whole law, the whole word of God into our hearts to, to keep our feet from going astray. I heard of, um, of a, a, a story uh, that happened in another country that two people were caught in the act of committing adultery in a hotel. I believe this was in like, uh, I believe this was, I I can't think of the country right now. It might've been, might've been South America. But these, 
two people were caught in the act of adultery. They walked into the hotel. They were caught in the act of adultery. And when they walked in, they saw, and these were Christians. These were Christians. And But when they walked in, they saw that, that the television was covered with a towel. They covered the television with a towel because they don't believe in television. They don't believe in a monitor. And so while they're in the act of adultery, they made sure they covered the monitor because they got to keep their tradition even when they're disobeying the word of God. And they feel spiritual for covering the monitor while they're committing an act of adultery. This is what I'm showing you where the traditions of men can make the truth of God of none effect. We've got to get the whole word because if we just tune in on parts of the word, as I'm teaching in Romans, I, I told them about how Acts, the book of Acts, uh, I'll do it this way. The gospels teach you the, about the person that saved us. The acts teach us how to be saved. The epistles teach us how to remain saved. Revelation teaches the future of the saved. So I said, acts is where you get your experience. The epistles are where they teach you how to live with that experience. I said, but there are people that never get out of acts. And there are people that never get out of the epistles. They're complementary. The people that never get out of Acts, these are people that get baptized in Jesus' name, that get filled with the Spirit, and it's all about an experience, and it's all about that experience, and they speak in tongues, uh, but then when they're done, they go cuss their husband out. When they're done, they go, they go abuse their children. When, they, when, when they're done with their experience, the experience doesn't impact their lifestyle. They just come back to keep on talking about and doing that experience. And then you got people in the, that never get out of the epistles where it's all about strong morals and moral behavior and morals, 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 and this and that, but they don't have an experience of power to help them live that out. So there's people that never get out of the epistles and never get out of the acts, but they're complementary. You need an experience and you need to know how to live with that experience effectively. But you see, when your experience becomes a tradition, then all your focus is on is the experience and you're not focusing on the lifestyle of love that's needed for that experience. Once again, a word to the broken. <laughs> And so my, my point of it is, is that people get into these traditions where they don't look outside of the tradition. Where it's like, hey, I don't have to worry about the epistles because I obeyed the gospel. And the, and the epistles say, well, I don't have to look at Acts because I, I'm learning about how to live for God through the epistles. They are complementary, guys. We need both. And, and it's not enough to obey the gospel. 
but you have to stand in the gospel. You have to obey and stand in it, according to 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, where, where Paul said it, where Paul said that, moreover, brethren, I declared unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you unless you have believed in vain. So <clears throat> the epistles teach you how to stand in the gospel, stand in that experience, and use that experience to empower you to live a godly and holy life to help a broken world and ministering to people. So what I'm saying here is, you saw my timer? I'm making good time, 34, 34 minutes. I'm good, I'm good. And so with that being said, it's we need to have an experience, but we also need to have a lifestyle. And you can't really have the lifestyle without the experience. But when you make something only tradition, where where I show up to church because it's our tradition. Well, you, you're forgetting the meaning of, of what it is to show up to church because it has to be a live encounter with God. It has to be more than just something traditional. We have to understand the commandments of forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. We have to understand the commandments on how the body nourishes to one another. We can't forget the why and why we are doing things. And when we forget the why, then things become traditional. So you, you show up to church and you're not changed. You show up to church and nothing happens and it's just what you do. It's a tradition, but you're forgetting why you started this journey. You need it to be safe from sin. You have family that are lost in sin. They need a witness. We cannot forget the why. The Pharisees are offended. He said, every plant which my heavenly father hath not planted shall be rooted up. He said, listen, the word is going to offend people that, you know, what do you do? All right, so tr tr traditionally, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give you something, a, a, great, a great tradition that God himself established. Traditionally, the sun comes up in the morning. Every day, the sun comes up. That's traditionally, right? But there came a moment in time where the word trumped over and triumphed over that tradition. Whenever there was a man that needed victory, and so he used God's word, about victory being promised to him as a way to make the tradition of the sun going up and down, make it subject to God's word. What did he say? Sun, stand still. Moon, you stand still too. That was Joshua. 
And the Bible says that the Lord hearkened to the voice of a man because God promised in his word to give him victory and success. And so even though there was the tradition of the sun coming up and down daily, God's word was even greater than that tradition. Isn't that powerful? Didn't he say that you're going to see the sign of my return when the sun shall be darkened? See, the word always has to be priority. Traditionally, lepers were not allowed back into the community because no one was ever healed from leprosy. Well, guess what Jesus did? He healed them with his word. Traditionally, people that got demon-possessed, they were cast out of society and we're never whole again. But the Bible says Jesus cast out spirits with his word. I'm trying to show you that the word is greater than traditions the, and the traditions of men. It says they are blind leaders. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, they've both fallen into a ditch. It said they have become so blinded by their traditions that they can't see me. They can't even see I'm God. It's everything I'm doing is pointing to them that says I'm God, but they can't see it. They're blind. They keep trying to find ways what how I'm breaking their traditions. I'm healing people in this and on the Sabbath day. And they're seeking to destroy me. I feel that this word is challenging people's minds. But that's with the power of going verse by verse. I didn't say this, guys. Jesus said it. These are scriptures that people try to ignore. But that's the power of going verse by verse. You can't ignore it. You got to wrestle with it. You got to deal with it. You got to bring your mind under it. Traditionally, fathers and sons get along, mothers and daughters get along. But Jesus said, I didn't come to give you peace. I came to send a sword. He said, the father's going to be divided against the son. The mother's going to be divided against the daughter. What? Yeah, traditionally, that's a good relationship. But what Jesus is showing is my word is going to cause some friction. My word is going to show whether people are more have more allegiance to me or more allegiance to something else. These are tough sayings. Jesus had tough sayings. Remember, he told them, he said, hey man, eat my flesh and drink my blood. What? Traditionally, Jews are not supposed to drink blood. What? How is anybody supposed to understand that? He said, this is the blood of the New Testament. He was challenging their thoughts and their traditions. He was challenging it.
and he kept good traditions. He went to the Sabbath and went to the synagogue on Sabbath day. That's a good tradition. There are traditions that complement, and there are traditions that detract and deter from God's word. You decide what those traditions are, but everything has to come under this book. Then answer Peter and said unto him, declare unto us this parable. And Jesus said, are you yet also without understanding? Do you not understand what whatsoever enters into the mouth, goeth into the belly and is cast into the drought? But those things which proceeded out of the mouth come forth from the heart and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defiles not a man. Jesus is focusing on the heart. He's focusing on the matters of the heart. That some people can are good at keeping traditions, but not good at keeping their heart. They're good at doing the external, but not good at keeping the heart. Later, he would say, listen, clean the, clean the inside of the cup first then clean the outside of the cup. The outside needs to be clean. But he says, but you need to clean the inside first because if you're just keeping the outside, but he said, you're like whited sepulchers. You're beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, you're full of dead men's bones. He said, we got to clean up this inside. Then we can clean up the outside. There has to be inward holiness and outward holiness. But there's some people that try to keep the uh, the signs of outward holiness while inside they're full of dead men's bones. He said, listen, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Those things that keep, proceed out of the mouth, they come straight from the heart. So evil thoughts, thinking evil all the time, Th thinking of murder, the actions of murder, adultery, fornication, thievery, false witness, blasphemies. He says, those things all, that's a heart issue. So these Pharisees and Sadducees, they have good traditions and they have traditions that, that transgress God's commandments. And the issue of all of this is that this is a heart issue. Their disobedience is a heart issue. It's not an understanding issue. It's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. These are matters of the heart, and only God can transform the heart. You can't transform the heart with reading a, reading a good book or following a personal development plan or... Uh, which are all good things. Having a plan, having goals, going to counseling, therapy, having community, those are all good things. But none of those things can transform the heart like the presence and the power and the glory of God. These are heart issues 
This is what Matthew is showing the Jews, that you cannot purify your heart by your traditions. You cannot purify your heart by, by the customs of the past. You cannot purify your heart by cleaving to what Rabbi so-and-so said. You cannot purify your heart by these things. What Matthew is showing is that in Jesus is the fulfillment and that when his spirit was poured out, according to Jeremiah, he has placed his law upon our hearts that he might teach us and instruct us how to live and obey and how to be transformed. It cannot come through motivation or through self-discipline or through adhering and unto the traditions of men. This can only be happened through a heart transformation, and that can only happen through Jesus Christ. You need a present encounter with Jesus Christ. You need a daily encounter with Jesus Christ. What Matthew is saying is to go to the past is futile. To go to the traditions of men is futile. To go to how things were done with the temple and with the synagogue and with the tabernacle. He's saying it's futile. Why? Because all things are, all those things are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He's saying you've got to come to Jesus in order for your heart to be cleansed and pure. It's not enough to just to just uh, behave or look a certain way. This is more than behavior modification. This has to be heart transformation. There has to be a transformed heart that only comes by being in the presence of Jesus Christ, the Almighty God. I want to challenge everyone that's listening to this podcast this morning to make an intention to have an encounter with Jesus Christ today. Go into prayer, go into your word, seek him, say, God, I need you, I want you, because it's only in his presence that he can come down and cleanse the heart. It won't happen through going through the, to the gym. It won't happen through motivation. It won't happen through reading a philosophical book. It won't happen through reading Freud or Friedrich Nietzsche. It won't happen through reading C.S. Lewis or all these things or, or, or all these nuances of alternate ways. He said, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. If you want your heart to be cleansed, don't go to all these extra things. Don't go to your traditions. Don't go to how mama did it and how daddy did it and all of that. He said, go into my throne room. Go into my presence and I will cleanse you. People do traditions without understanding the origin. It's like the woman who cooked with a large pot, and this pot was so big, but they would only cook a little bit in this large pot. And they would cook a special dish in their family, and they would always do it in this large pot. The, the content of the food would only be very small, but they would do it in a large pot. The great-grandma did it. And then the grandma did it. And then the mom did it. And then the daughter did it. And great grandma was alive. And she saw the daughter 
cooking with this special traditional recipe. And the tradition was you, you can only cook it in this big pot. And so the great grandma saw the daughter cooking with the big pot that she would always cook in. And she asked her, asked her, asked her um, great, great granddaughter and said, hey, why, why are you cooking with that big pot? And the daughter said, well, well, great grandma, you, you always, you know, you started it. You always cooked in this big pot. This was a tradition. And so, so grandma did it, mama did it, and now I'm doing it. And the great grandma said, listen, child, I cooked in that big pot because I was cooking during the Great Depression. It was the only pot that I had. You're following a tradition where you don't know the origin. You don't know the context. And now you feel like it's something special. I'm cooking a big pot like great grandma did. She's saying the only reason I did that because it was the Great Depression. It was the only pot I had. I cooked everything in that pot. His presence and his word brings context to our tradition. It brings clarity to our tradition. But if you want your heart to be cleansed today, I'm telling you, go to Jesus. Call on his name. If you want Jesus ah, to transform you, or it's more than behavior modification, but it's heart transformation. Oh, my goodness. Ah. Mm. It's heart transformation. Mm. It's Jesus. That's what Matthew is highlighting, that he is the fulfillment. You don't have to find your, your value from the old uh, traditions of men, and according to Galatians, he said, "Don't do not." He said, "If I build those things again, which I destroyed," he said, "I make myself a transgressor." That's what he said. That's what he said in Galatians. Mm mm mm. I love the word of God. Go to Jesus today. Some of you, when you're in trouble, you call such and such. You call this. Your tradition is to do this. I'm asking you to disrupt your tradition today and go to Jesus. Jesus can do more for you than your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your counselor, your therapist, and all that. All those things are good in context of his presence. And his word. Let everything come under his word. You start going to him for answers. He is the only one that can cleanse your heart. He is the only one that can heal your heart. Oh my goodness. 
I am so thankful for the word of God. I am so thankful for the word of God. I'm so thankful for the word of God. Matthew is leading us into his presence to show that he is the fulfillment of everything that we need. And he can transform the Pharisee's heart. Where will we see that? God's not asking you. The gospels aren't for you to, to demonize the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It's not to demonize them. You know why? Because Jesus died for the Pharisees as well. And you know what Jesus showed us? Ah, that he can transform a Pharisee's heart like he did with the apostle Paul. Ah, Paul had one encounter with Jesus on the Damascus road. And that encounter got into that Pharisee of Pharisee's heart and it transformed him into one of the greatest preachers that's ever walked this world ever walked this earth because he got heart transformation. He was trying to do the law. He was trying to do that, and he was hurting God's cause. He was hurting the principles of God because his traditions had made the word of God of no effect. But whenever he had an encounter, the encounter with Jesus Christ transformed everything, and it put all of his traditions in context. Even after his experience, the Bible says he went to Chinchuria to, to do a vow. He was still doing vows from the Old Testament. Oh, are you getting it? But every vow was in context with his presence. Every vow was in context with his encounter. He was keeping a good tradition, but it was always in context with Jesus Christ, that his word and his presence was above his tradition. I am talking to somebody right now. Let Jesus transform your heart. Let him deal with the matters of the heart. God is greater. And when our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. My word. I love the word of God. It's so amazing. It's so pure. It's so fresh. Ah. He said, listen, you can, you can keep your traditions, just don't let your traditions keep you. You can have your traditions, just don't let them have you. You stay in my hand. You stay in my presence, and I will bring context to everything. Heart transformation doesn't come by emotional gymnastics or uh, performance-based religion. It comes from heart transformation, from the presence of God, from his word, having an encounter. See, I challenge you to do that today. Share this podcast with someone today. Share it. Be blessed in the name of Jesus. It is an honor to share the word of God with you. I look forward to sharing the word of God with you tomorrow. Thank you for your kindness and your love. I'll see you again soon. God bless. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, for more information, you can follow my social media page, Victor M. Jackson, or you could come visit us in Orlando, Florida at Bible Center of Orlando. Thank you for joining us. God bless.